Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now a message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to pick up right where Josh left off last week in chapter 7. I guess to start maybe just a quick little confession because I, I do listen to the pastors. I do listen to the preaching from the pulpit. And uh, I, so I guess I need to open by saying Terry did take our dog to have his nails done this last week. For those that remember Josh's comments last week. Um, and I did make a mental note to make sure that at Christmas we don't take a picture of our dog and send to Josh. So uh, I want to make sure that I take care of that at Christmas time. But at any rate, I'm obedient to what the pastor told me to do. So Josh is not getting a picture of our dog. Now, I'm not sure where that was in Matthew 7, but at any rate, I want it known that I take notes when somebody's up here preaching and I'm obedient to what I'm told. No pictures of my dog to Josh. All right, let's get started. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. As Josh opened last week with the most known half verse in the whole Bible is don't judge. Well, okay, let's understand what that means, what that says, and what that doesn't say. Now, Josh went into detail on this, picking up where he left off last week. Clearly, we are, clearly, we are to make judgments on people. Now, we're not to look down our nose. We're not to think we're better than somebody else. We're not to make prejudice judgments. I don't like you, and I don't know anything about you. I just decided I didn't. The Bible talks about that. It's not a prejudiced decision we make, but we are to make judgments. We're told in Scripture, don't waste what is holy on dogs. Don't throw pearls before swine. Beware of false prophets. How do I know who's a dog if I don't make a judgment? I mean, you, come on, let's think this through. Let's think this through. As a matter of fact, two different times in Matthew, Jesus called unbelievers dogs. The apostle Paul referred to unbelievers as dogs. The, the John in Revelation referred to unbelievers outside the gate, living in sin as heathen dogs. Okay, how do I know who's a dog? How do I know who's swine? How do I know who's a false prophet? It requires a judgment. Now, I mean, just scripture after scripture. First Timothy 
chapter 5, verse 20, those who continue in sin rebuke. You calling me out? As a matter of fact, I am. Who are you to call me out? Based on the scripture and based on what you're doing, I am called to call you out. Titus 3.10. Warn a man once the second time and after that have nothing more to do with them. Wow. Wow. We're going to have to know what the scripture says. Now, these are hard, this is hard concepts for this feeling-centered generation that we're in. And, and I'm just told all the time, well, Tim, you need to be like Jesus. And I say, have you read him? Have you read Jesus? Did, or, okay, let's all be like Jesus. Have you read him yet? Are you aware of what Jesus said and the lifestyle that he approves and the lifestyle that he calls out and calls sin and says is unbiblical? Now, church, we could go on and on and on. Second Corinthians, let's just, I mean, we just well look at this because this is, this is a little bit hard. People are staring. There are not a lot of amens right now. That's okay. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12. But I'm going to continue doing what I've always done. I'm going to keep preaching this. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is like ours when it's not. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. We've got a lot of folks, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, you, who you call me? Are you disguising yourself as an apostle of Christ? I'm not surprised. It's getting worse. Satan. I'm not surprised that people do this. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they're going to get the punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. Wow. Now, this is, this is a message that this feeling generation is going to have to understand about what Jesus taught us. Disguised Christians that are really servants of Satan, disguising themselves as Christians. Now, I want you to know, you can write this down, the Bible does not say for us not to make an evaluation of others' character. Quite the opposite is something we're supposed to do. And here's what you need to know. Before I let my daughter go over to your house for a sleepover, I will judge you. And if you don't, you better be. Don't, you judging me? You dang right I am. You bet you I am. I'm gonna judge you, your older son, your husband, everybody in that house. I'm gonna look on their character, I'm going to see all about them. See, before I go into business with you, I'm going to find out about you. I'm going to know about you. I'm going to find out. See, before I, are you hearing this? The Bible tells us to make evaluations of people's character. Now, it doesn't say prejudice judgment where we're looking down our nose thinking I'm better than somebody else. We're all sinners. 
We're all in need of God's grace. And I'm for sure not standing here saying I'm better than you and I don't have any faults or any problems. But I'm telling you, as a believer, we are called on to judge character. And for some reason, this feely generation is trying to sweep this under the feet. Now, Josh covered this last week. I'm not going to go back and reteach all that he taught. But we're going to pick up with how do we do that? Okay, Tim, if I'm supposed to judge people, then how do I do that? How do I do that? Verse 16 through verse 20, Jesus tells us exactly how we are to make evaluations of people. You identify them by fruit. We talk about this a lot. Fruit inspectors. That's what we are. I'm not condemning you. I'm not looking down my nose at you, but I am a fruit inspector. You identify people. That is, okay, what is their fruit? You mean they got apples and oranges hanging off? No, no, no. By the way they act. By the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree, here's what I'm telling you, a good man, a good woman, will have good fruit. The way they act will be good. Here's what you can know. Well, how do you know that's a good person? Because I see the way they live. You see the way they live. And here's what you can know. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You watch how people act. Then you decide. I want to say it over and over again. We're not looking down our nose at anybody. We're not thinking we're better than anybody. Except for the grace of God. Except for Jesus' forgiveness. We're all in hell. Okay? It's the forgiveness and the love and the blood of Jesus that forgives us. But before I get in business with you, before, are you getting this? Church, we got to understand what Jesus is saying. You have to know who is holy and who is unholy. You have to know that. You, Tim, you just called me. I've got to know. I have to know who is holy. I have to know who is unholy. I have to know who the Bible calls as a dog. I've got to know scripturally who the Bible refers to as swine. I have to know who the Bible refers to as false prophets. And I know them so that we can identify them so that they don't mislead me. So that they don't mislead you. So that they don't mislead you. And here's what you can know. Everybody is welcome in this church. Everybody is welcome in this church. Every young person is welcome in our youth group. We reach out to young people who are in sin, hurting, and we want them in our youth group. But here's what you can also know. After a few weeks of coming, if we don't begin to see signs of repentance by the way they act in the week, you got to know that after a few weeks, we're going to have a conversation because you're not going to come to our youth group 
You're not going to come to our youth group and raise your hands and act all spiritual and sell drugs to our kids. Not here. You're not going to do that here. Now, we want to see you coming along spiritually, but we're going to call you out because you're not going to get our young girls in youth group pregnant. You're not going to lead them astray. We're watching out, and we do so by making judgments. Now, are we allowing people to come? Absolutely. Our doors are wide open. We want you here. But after coming and after hearing the word, then we want to see you moving toward pursuing God and pursuing God's will and plan and purpose for your life. And we're not going to allow you to lead others in our youth group Others in our women's group, we're not going to allow a woman to come in here and get in our women's group, become friends with our women's group, and then start running down the leadership, start running down the church, start running. We're going to not allow that after so many times. We're going to admonish you once or twice, and then we're going to, are you hearing this? There's got to be some wisdom exercised in the church. And we can't continue to read something that Jesus never did ever say. You see by the way they act. So, I'm not impressed by you coming to church and raising your hands. I want to hear about how you're doing out in the community. I want to hear about where you were last weekend. I want to hear about the way you're doing business. I want to hear that changing toward godly behavior. Now, if you don't, we got to call. You calling me out? Yep. Exactly what we're doing. Exactly what we're doing. Now, the question that we got to ask ourselves is, how do we act? How, how do we act? How, if, peop, if I'm supposed to judge people by the way they act, then what is the first and foremost question in my mind is, how do I act? How do I act out here day in and day out? How do I act? doing business? How do I act interacting with people? How do I act? Oh, Lord help me. This last week, I'm on the phone. I'm not happy. It's not what we said. It's not what was supposed to happen. I ordered something. You told me one time it didn't happen. I can feel it coming up inside me, and right here, uh, 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 here are words, of, I'm, I've got it coming, as soon as she stops talking, I'm fixing to give it to her, and she said, you don't know me, but my relative, been coming to your church, whole life has changed, he thinks you are the greatest preacher in the world. Oh, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I'm like Isaiah, stick a cold to my tongue and just burn my whole mouth out. Come on, somebody, come on, we're, you're gonna have to get a hold of this. And for some reason, I am a lot better preaching this than I am living this, but I'm gonna preach it anyway. Now, are you dependable? Do your actions out here every day line up with biblical morality? 
or are you living in sin? Let me ask you this. What does your spouse think about you? Whoa. What do your kids think about you? Are you honest? Are you responsible? Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? See, this is fruit. This is the fruit of our life. Anybody can attend church. Anybody can post a scripture. Anybody can post a scripture. Anybody can wear a Jesus t-shirt. How are you living your daily life? How are you living your daily life? Does it line up with Ephesians, Colossians, and Romans? Does your entertainment line up with Ephesians, Colossians, and Romans? Let's move on, verse 21. It gets worse. (laughs) Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Y'all are not Greek and Hebrew scholars. I am. Let me tell you what this says in the Hebrew. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven is going to enter. On judgment day, there's many, there's many who are going to post scripture and talk about Jesus and wear Jesus t-shirts. Lots of folks are going to do all that. Oh, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We perform miracles. But I reply, red letters here. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. We could close in prayer, but we're a little wounded. So let me continue to preach. There is a huge difference. There's a huge difference in professors of faith and possessors of faith. And you need to make sure you understand the difference in those two words. Lots and lots of professors of faith. Lots of professors of faith. My goodness, Facebook's full of them. Lots of professors of faith. But it's different to be a possessor of faith. And God is looking for those who live their daily life doing his will. That's who God's looking for. Not talking about their relationship with God while living in known, obvious sin. God says, red letters, get away from me, I never knew you. Now, this section of scripture is extremely hard for this feeling-centered generation. This section of scripture is extremely hard for those who wear their feelings on their sleeve and want to talk about love and tolerance. This section is really hard, but church, we're going to have to get a hold of Jesus. We're going to have to understand the principles of the kingdom of God. And to do that, we got to read the red letters. We're going to have to read Jesus and understand what he says. And there's a right way to live life that leads to life and peace and blessings. And there's a wrong way that leads to death 
and destruction. Verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The rains come in torrents, the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. All right, there's two types of church people here. Now, I say church people because I want you to know, both of these are here in the Word. Do y'all get this? Two types of people here. Both of them are hearing Jesus' words. Both are builders. Both are building houses. Neither one of them is a literal house. Verse 24, one is like. Verse 26, one is like. So the house is an example or an illustration of the life that they're building. You are building your life. Now we're kind of using the analysis or the illustration here of a house, but it's the same thing. You're building a life. Now, here's what I want you to see. Verse 25 and verse 27. Both experience the storm. Both experience the identical storm. Now, the biggest mistake in Christianity, and I don't know how we got here, but the biggest mistake in Christianity, Christianity does not tell us how to miss the storms in life. It tells us how to build a house that won't fall when the storms of life come. God, where were you? God, why did you let this happen? God, if you're really real, then you would have never let this storm come to me. I don't know where we got that notion that you will be, because you go to church, that your life is exempt from storms. Both of these people experience a storm. Now, there's two things about storms, and you can always know this. Number one, they are inevitable. They're inevitable. And number two, they're sudden. They're sudden. They're inevitable and they're sudden. Now, here's what I want you to see. Both heard exactly the same word. One acted on the word. One did not act on the word. All right, now let's bring this down. What exposed the difference? Church full of people. Everybody amen in the sermon. Everybody leaving, boy, that was a great sermon, Pastor. What exposes the difference in the people who act on the word and the people who are merely hearers only? The storm. The storm. How do you know who's getting it? How do you know who's getting it? How do you know at Leaders Academy? How do you know at Christian Ministries Academy? How do you know in youth group? How do we know who is getting it? The storm. When the storm comes, how do you handle that? How do you navigate through the storms of life? Now, Jesus is teaching here, all of us can live pretty much the same kind of life until the storm comes. And a storm is coming for your marriage. 
A storm is coming for your health, for your finances. A storm is coming. If a, a storm's coming in life, how do you navigate through them? What boyfriends are designed for is to break up with you. That's the purpose of a boyfriend is to crush you. That's what they do. That's what you can know. That's what you can look forward to. I can't wait till you break my heart. The thing about money is it's designed to run out. The thing about feelings is it's designed to get hurt. Wives are wired to tick you off. That they're wired that way. Wives come out of the womb with their finger on your button. So it push, pushes my butt. See, wives are they, they, like they got a PhD in button pushing. And you were having a great day until you walked into her presence and went, ah! See, it, you know, the worst things happen to me on the day I preach. That's why I really like doing mornings, not nights. Mornings, I hadn't had a chance to blow it yet. But today... Y'all know right out here in the Bolero gas station, it's the only straight stretch for 60 miles on Highway 7. But it's a straight stretch. And you can get to rolling. And this lady pulled right, I'm talking about I was rolling. Right out, I'm talking about in front of me. One of those, you know, you just, I, do I take the ditch? Do I have a head on? What do I do to keep from hitting her? Pull right out and went 15 miles an hour. The words that were coming to me, you know, were not speaking in tongues. <laughs> the thoughts that were coming to me were not good thoughts. Yeah, I could feel my fist clenching. I could feel certain fingers release. I mean, you know, you just, thoughts just all over your head. You say, I'm a Christian. I'm about to preach here in a couple of hours. I'm going to be a man of God. But right now, I'm going to pull around, and I'm going to run in front of her, and I'm going to go five miles an hour. And that's what I decided I was going to do. See, we all heard the word Sunday. Now, how are you doing with it? Well, on that straight stretch, not very good. Come on, church, we have to live our Christian life when somebody pulls out in front of us, not when the lights are low and Lucas is singing. Be your champion. I'm his champion until some old lady pulls in front of me. Here's the question. Is the house you're building reliable? Is it going to stand up in the hard times of life? And it comes back to are you a professor of faith or a possessor of faith? And you won't know that until somebody back orders your part for the fifth time. You won't know that until somebody doesn't do what they said they were going to do. See, you won't know that until your feelings got hurt. Are you a professor of faith or are you a possessor of faith? All of us are building. That's the life that we live in. Now, as a result of the hours that you sat in church hearing the word, hearing the word, will you respond different when your husband does, when your wife does, when their boss does, 
when your coworker does. See, I respond different than I would have responded had I not been in church on Sunday morning. Well, I'm glad I was in church Sunday morning. Now I want to respond different on Tuesday afternoon because I was in church on Sunday morning. Let me ask this question. Has the last three Sunday morning sermons changed the way you talk? Has the last three Sunday morning sermons changed the way you act? I find myself in the middle of a sentence and the Sunday morning sermon coming back to my ear right then. See, that's what's got to happen for us to mature in our walk with the Lord. That's what's got to happen. See, the last Sunday morning sermon has got to come back to your mind right now as you're boiling. Don't be proud of the fact that you go to church. Be proud of how your house stands in the middle of a storm. The word that you hear has got to make a difference in your daily life. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Religious teaching is dead and lifeless. And what's sad is we've allowed that to be the church. We go to a service and we hear a dead, lifeless sermon. And we feel good about the fact that we went to church, but we go our next day and act just like we would have acted had we not ever gone. We talk to our wife the same way. We talk to our kids. We do business. We entertain the same way as we would if we'd have never gone. And it's lifeless. What got them about Jesus was there was life in his words. There was life in his words. Church, I want you to know the word of God is life. The word of God is life. It sustains our life. And instead of me having a nervous breakdown, I find life from the word because it teaches me how to think. See, instead of me flying off of the handle and cussing somebody out, the word of God tells me how to talk. Not always do I do it, but I'm learning to wash my mind with the word and act like Jesus taught us to act. And this got the, the religious people because religion was just something you did. It didn't have an effect on your life. And, and they were amazed at Jesus because he taught them how to live daily life. So many today that call themselves Christians have simply not read Jesus. And church, we're going to have to get a hold of the teachings of Jesus. As we conclude our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I, just, I want to end by saying we cannot walk away from reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We can't do it. We have to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 on a very regular basis because Jesus is teaching us how to live our daily life, how to think, how to act, how to talk, how to live our life. Paul, Josh, Chloe, myself, we love teaching this.
We love teaching this, and we're committed to teach what Jesus taught because what he taught brings life. It brings life. It brings peace. It doesn't bring condemnation. It doesn't put you down. It doesn't defeat you and whip you. It is preached, taught by Jesus to bring us life. Why would I want to continue in sin that's causing me to live a miserable life? I want somebody to say, that's sin, repent of that, turn from your wicked ways, and then you can sleep good at night. Then you can walk in peace. Then you can walk in joy in your life. It continues to be our drive here. Our desire as we teach week in and week out on these Wednesday night Bible studies it continues to be our drive to see the members of this church live, live their life in the kingdom of God. Thanks for coming to church. It sure is lonely when I'm down here in this building all by myself. Thanks for coming to church. But I want church to enable you to live in the kingdom of God. I want the sermons to enable you to live in peace and joy and the abundant life that God has planned for us. Jesus teaches us how to live in the kingdom in his Sermon on the Mount. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight we thank you for this word that we've heard over these last number of weeks. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just create us and sling us out here to try to figure this out on our own, but you sent your word that truly brings healing that truly brings refreshment to our bones. Lord, we thank you for your word. Now, as we end this study tonight, Lord, we end not having been hearers only of your word, but that we are doers of this word in our daily lives. Our life lived pleasing and in honor of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.